1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Browns. The Cleveland Browniacs podcast is a part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Elliot Kinnell and Joel Cade. Okay, well, we know who
0: the, the hosts are, but who are these moderately intelligent guys that you're talking about? I don't know. Um, I haven't found them yet. Well, all right. (laughs) There's been a lot of news uh, for Browns fans, uh, very important news. Um, Did you hear the news about our former defensive coordinator? No, Elliot, tell us. Well, yeah. In fact, I've I've got uh, a little something that I can show you. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Let me just boot this little dude up here just a minute. I'm going to present this in the form of a PowerPoint slide. Um. Uh, yeah, in fact, I messed it up already. Let me try it again. Share screen
1: and window. See, my former defensive coordinator. You're talking about who? well yeah. We got to keep the people interested here.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it is. Who could it be? Well, uh, it's not Bill Belichick, but Belichick's defensive coordinator, and it's none other than a. Um, very famous person, Nick Saban.
1: That's right, Browns fans. Nick Saban was the Browns defensive coordinator.
0: And, um, yeah, uh, High Clemson says give subtitles a try. I don't want that.
1: Before um, he left for greener pastures up in Michigan State. Well, yeah, he was just fired
0: uh, along with Bill. Uh, and, you know, and I got into some big hairy debate with somebody at Browns back Oh, Belichick was not fired. He was merely not rehired because his contract was up. You know, because Art Modell, I guess, was too cheap to fire him early or whatever. I don't know what. I don't know what the point is. But he was not invited <coughs> to accompany Mr. Modell to Baltimore. Um, Belichick did lead the Browns to the playoffs in 1994. After Modell made the announcement. Uh, that the team was moving, the team fell apart and went on a losing streak. I don't think that's terribly surprising. It was just total chaos. Uh, You know, there was a tremendous, tremendous defense that got them to the playoffs the year before. Nick Saban was the defensive coordinator and uh, just did a tremendous job for us. Uh, So Belichick... uh, and So what's
1: the news on Nick Saban?
0: Well, he's retiring... Uh, he took a, an important job or two um, after he left <laughs> Cleveland. He became even more famous as the head coach of Michigan State mm-hmm. and then Alabama. My my dad. LSU. Won.
1: He won a national championship at LSU.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah minor detail. Yeah. LSU. And, Coached in Miami. Um, Coached the Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Well, we'd rather not talk about that. That didn't work out so well. But, um, but yeah, Alabama is very well known. My dad. Yeah, graduated from uh, uh, Alabama about, I don't know, 1947 or something like that. And he's 98 years old. And he makes me watch Alabama every Saturday, whether I want to or not, because I'm an Ohio State graduate and I like Ohio State. But I have to watch Alabama football. I guess it's okay. Um, but, yeah, Nick Saban is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant coach. And he got fired by Art Modell, the trifecta, three of the greatest coaches in history. I think uh, Saban is probably the greatest college coach in history. Bill Belichick, if he's not the greatest uh, professional coach in history, it's probably Paul Brown, who's also the Cleveland Browns founder and head coach for many, many years throughout their history. Art Modell fired all three. Also, rubbing it in, um, people forget that he ran Jim Brown out of town. Jim Brown did not just spontaneously decide to retire, but uh, instead Art Modell gave him an ultimatum because his movie, The Dirty Dozen, ran overtime in uh, uh, production in France, and Art Modell would not tolerate it. And Jim Brown had to retire or else, you know, you, you know make a, a terrible, uh, you know, violate his contract with the uh, Hollywood people, the movie makers, and he couldn't do that. That was just out of the question. Art Model made life impossible for Jim Brown, and he had to retire. And anyway, he made more move, more money with the movies in his film career than he did with the Cleveland Browns. Anyway, it was a ridiculous, totally stupid decision by Mr. Modell. And uh, he also, by the way, traded away Hall of Famer, Paul Warfield, the brilliant wide receiver was traded for uh, Mike Phipps, who never really had much of a career, but uh, he was quarterback. And we know we have to have a franchise quarterback, in order to have a winning football team, isn't that right, Joel? Yes. Isn't that right? Yes. Got yes. to have that franchise quarterback. It's worth it to trade Hall of Famer Paul Warfield. We also traded another uh, uh, Pro Bowl wide receiver in Clifton McNeil the year before, just to show that we can do do without, uh, you know, Pro Bowl. Uh, now need those guys we just don't need them trade them yeah. for quarterbacks. that's how we got bill nelson i guess that was probably a fair deal because bill nelson was a pretty good quarterback but we traded twice in a row for uh, all pro uh, wide receivers for quarterbacks Ugh. but yeah many people still want art modell to go to the hall of fame now let's give him some credit He did start Monday Night Football. He was one of the major instigators for football on Monday nights and made a lot of money for the NFL, and they're very grateful to him for that, rightly so. But he was the worst owner-slash-general managers in NFL history, and you can't look at his record without uh, realizing that. And then to top it off, he's the guy that removed the Cleveland Browns from Cleveland and move them to Baltimore. That's really just unforgivable. So I'm still mad about that. I'm, you know,
1: I was... I think everyone all... who remembers that is still mad about that.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I remember, you know, firing Paul Brown in 1963, and I never forgave him for that. He also fired Mart- Marty Schottenheimer because he couldn't win the playoffs with his fourth-string quarterback. In fact, we didn't talk about that. I should have brought that up the other day. We were talking about winning with uh, four quarterbacks. This has happened before where we had a fourth-string quarterback in the playoffs. And the fourth-string quarterback did win the week before with one week's worth of uh, familiarity with the playbook. That was Don Strock, And uh, that could not be forgiven by Mr. Modell. That's another dumbass move. Pardon my French. But uh, this, there is a precedent for that. I forgot to mention that. I did a, I did a little bit of uh, retrospective on quarterbacks that, you know, or Browns teams that had multiple quarterbacks. But I forgot about that. Uh, that was the year that uh, Bernie Kosar went down, uh, Mike Pagel went down, Gary Danielson went down, and they hired Don Strock off the street. He was a Miami Dolphins backup for many years, and he came in with one week. Of familiarity with the playbook learned 10 plays went up against the houston oilers and beat them and then they faced the oilers the next week in the playoffs and the oilers were well they were able to figure out which 10 plays he knew and they were able to prepare much better and so that was that yeah so okay <clears throat> what else you got about uh defensive coordinator saban
1: you know, I think Nick Saban, it doesn't surprise me he's retiring when he's 72. Um, <clears> Two, <throat> his style is not really um, conducive to the college game as it's become with the NILs. I mean, mm. Nick Saban's always been a, a coach, kind of like in the Urban Meyer mold, where Urban Meyer's probably more in the Nick, Nick, Nick Saban mold, where like rule with an iron fist and everything's going to be done my way. And if it doesn't done my way, then you can just go somewhere else. Well, now college players have a chance to go somewhere else. And I'm not sure the, the kind of iron fisted program that he runs at Alabama is going to work now that as soon as somebody doesn't get to start their first year mm-hmm. or you ask him to work hard or you ask him to pay their dues. And they're like, why should I pay my dues when I can go to another program and get paid $2 million?
0: Yeah, he may just not want to adapt to this new style of game. I mean, he's
1: 72. Why should he? He's richer than rich. Yeah. Well, he has nothing left to prove.
0: He can make $10 million a year as a commentator, certainly.
1: Of those Aflac commercials, man.
0: There you go. Those are wonderful commercials, by the way. I really like those.
1: Get on those Aflac commercials.
0: Just as an artistic point of view, those are really well-done commercials.
1: They're kind of transitioned to Dion in those commercials. It's like, he's kind of hanging that up and Dion's going to start taking over.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's a well well done thing. And it was particularly timely because some of the, um, how shall I say some of the, uh, harsher sports writers were giving Dion Sanders a hard time and it was a good opportunity for Affleck and, for uh, Coach Saban to show the proper way to interact with, you know, between a a um, Southern white coach and an African American coach, and they were able to address each other politely, and uh, I think it worked out very well. It was a very, very well done, socially responsible. That's the word I was looking for, the operative phrase I was looking for. It was well done. Liked it.
1: All right, Elliot, we're coming up on the break here.
0: Okay, let's do a break
1: uh, and then then I'll cut off and we'll go on the break and we will chat about something else on the way on the other side.
0: Yeah, about a new quarterback uh, that um, promotion in the Cleveland Browns hierarchy.
1: All right. We'll catch that on the other side. All right. Hang on. All right. We're back. Elliot, I think you were alluding to the idea that the Cleveland Browns have decided. Now, I've been under under the weather today, so that's why I'm not talking much today. But um, from what I can see on the X, on the Twitter, the Browns have decided to promote Jeff Driscoll over P.J. Walker as the number two quarterback.
0: Well, yeah, that's absolutely true.
1: Let's acknowledge God help um... us all.
0: Yeah, let's acknowledge the Dogs, the Cleveland Browns podcast, for posting this on X. And by the way, I forgot to acknowledge the previous t- tweet from uh, at Coach J Evans twelve about uh, uh, Coach uh, Belichick and Coach Nick Saban. But anyway, yeah, we always always important to acknowledge our sources. But um, this uh, decision seems very strange. You know, my gosh, you know, because the Browns really played terrible with, uh, you know, they didn't have their starting backups against Cincinnati. They played their backup backups, and they really got kind of killed. They lost, uh, I think it was 31 to 14, wasn't it? And uh, they had Jeff Driscoll Uh as the the starting backup quarterback, or was it the backup starting quarterback? But anyway, he played instead of P.J. Walker, and a lot of fans were upset about that because, we really liked P.J. Walker. He came in against Indianapolis, did a pretty good job, and he also started the game against San Francisco. Everybody thought that San Francisco was a really top-notch team. Many people believed then and continue to believe that they were the number one team in the NFL. And uh, who won that game? Well, it was the Cleveland Browns, and you could say, ah, well, we were kind of lucky to beat them, and that may be true. Nevertheless, it was uh, – Uh, very important to hang on to the football and put ourselves in the position where we were competing at the end so that we could win that game. So Uh PJ Walker deserves a great deal of credit for holding the team together and allowing the team to win that game. We talk about complimentary football all the time. The defense played outstanding and the Browns were able to come up with a win against that. Now, uh, I've been boosting Jeff Driscoll since October, and I've been complaining all along that they should have been training somebody at least on the practice squad in order to get them familiar with the playbook. Jeff Driscoll knows the Browns playbook to some extent because of, you know, as the dogs point out at the dogs podcast that, um, uh, Driscoll has experience with uh uh Drew. Um, let's see, that's not right, is it? it's Petzing, right? Not Pet Petsong. Petzing. Uh, yeah, so uh, anyway, he was the Cleveland Browns, um, uh, quarterback coach under um, uh, let's see, who did he who was he with? Um, I uh, was that under? Oh man, I forget where, which Browns coach. Uh, but he he was with the Cleveland Browns for a while, and then he he was with the Minnesota Vikings when Stefanski was there, and he was the offensive coordinator. So they know each other very well. They shared common concepts, and mm-hmm. uh, they you know use basically the same playbook <coughs> in Minnesota. Uh, many of the same plays are run in Cleveland as in Minnesota.
1: Hey, I want to interject one thing. Hmm. I'm 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 here looking at X right, and and McNeil has this tweet out, and it shows Bill Belichick and and Nick Saban together in these orange sweatshirts with Browns yeah. like in in cursive with the line underneath it that says football. I want one of these. I'm going to try to hunt one of these down on the internet. The orange sweater sweatshirt with Browns written on it. I'm going to try to find one of these and buy it. OK, these are sharp. These look yeah. sharp, man. I'd
0: like to see you in it, man. Yeah. Model it for us. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll buy we buy it and
1: try to model it.
0: Yeah. Maybe we can have a giveaway or something better yet. Sell them. We need the money for sure. Um, but yeah, the other thing I wanted to point out, you know, although P.J. Walker has done a really good job for the Cleveland Browns. Trivia question number one, who has. More TD passes for the Cleveland Browns this season. Is it Driscoll or is it P.J.? Can you answer that question for us, Joel? Uh,
1: Driscoll's got two, so I'm thinking with P.J., the Browns ran the ball a lot. I don't know. That's going to be a toss-up. Well, it's Driscoll. He threw two
0: in the second half. You know, his first half was pretty bad against Cincinnati, but he started to find a range a little bit through two touchdown passes pj only has one for the entire season and he has five interceptions
1: yeah he's not played well
0: that's not good so even though we like pj we think that he's a good leader and we think that he can run the offense uh and you, you know function when the running game is working well we're not sure that the running game is going to work well, just because remember that on the offensive line, we're playing like third and fourth string at the offensive tackle positions. And we remind ourselves that those positions are very critical to having a good running game. It's not just a matter of having good running backs. You need to have the meat and potatoes on that offensive line. We still you know, we also had problems with injuries at that crucial left guard position. You know something about playing left guard, don't you?
1: Yes. and uh, we- In an outside zone con uh, offense like the Browns run, they need excellent guards to make that work. And the and Browns you- have excellent guards that can make that offense work because you have to block the three technique. It's usually lined up on the outside of the guard where the three technique is. You have to have a guard that can reach out and block that person. And Betonio and Teller can do it. So if you don't have those Mm -hmm. guys in the game, the Browns off run game becomes pedestrian at best.
0: Well, Teller is, uh, as far as we know, pretty healthy. He's been able to stay intact. But uh, Betonio has struggled to maintain his normal Pro Bowl form uh, late in the season. In fact, I was hoping that he would not play this last game against Cincinnati, but he did play. And uh, I'm not sure if he's really his normal self at this point. Um, what do you think? Did you have a chance to really zoom in on how well he is doing? Is he the same Joel Batonio that we're used to seeing? Did he end up playing
1: Sunday? Yes, he did.
0: He did play.
1: You know, I kind of half zoned that game out. To be honest with you, what ha- what happened that he came in? Um, I thought he was know. inactive. No. no,
0: no, unless I'm hallucinating. Let me go back to uh, NFL.com and verify how many snaps he played. Um, but I, yeah, I believe that the uh, the entire starting um, offensive line was represented. Uh, and that only the, really the, you know, the big boys, uh, quarterback and Miles Garrett were the only ones that really sat out. Oh, and then, uh, Amari no, you're Cooper. right.
1: He was not inactive. Greg Newsome, Thornhill, Cooper, Goodwin, Hopkins, Ford Jr. Yeah. The guys who were really active. Yeah.
0: Huh? But, well, uh, um, I, didn't, I didn't, I
1: didn't notice he played at all, man. I was just kind of.
0: Yeah, I don't believe I he zone played out on that man. No. I was
1: just watching Driscoll just throw the ball all over the place and like just like oh my god, this is like a preseason game. Like this is terrible, Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I continue to believe that Driscoll is a
1: talent. Uh he's a guy that Well, he just hasn't had a chance to play in the offense, right? <coughs> he yeah. hasn't had a chance to really play with anybody and plus he's playing with a lot of backups, so he's being pressured a lot and, you know, had the receivers out there aren't doing, you know, yeah, he, they're he, they're he not is. the top end receivers. I want to switch gears for a second because I want to call out the stupidity of the week, but I got to stop talking here. My throat's starting to feel it, but I want to call out the stupidity of the week. The Detroit Lions go out there with nothing to gain, far as I can tell, and start all their starters. And then they're tied in Laporta, Hurts his knee, and I don't even think he's available for this week. I think Matt Laporta is hurt, and you went out there and hurt your star tight end. I know this isn't a lion show, but, I mean, come on. You can't sit there. Is it Matt Laporta? No, Matt Laporta was the baseball player. Um Man, what was the guy's name from Detroit?
0: Um, Yeah, I don't really follow Detroit well enough. I can't help you.
1: I just thought it was the dumbest thing I've seen. Is you should go out there and start all your starters and try to go out there and aggressively win a game that has no meaningful impact on your season. And you go out there, Sam Laporta, and you go out there and get your like tight end hurt. He didn't practice. He has an outside shot to play in the playoff game. He got hurt in a meaningless game. That is why you sit your starters. That's why I was saying all last week, that the offense's number one job this week, all those backups playing, their number one job was to not get hurt. That was their job, yeah. not get hurt, you know, because then you got to put in your starters, then they could get hurt. Like Cedric Tillman now is in, in concussion protocol. We're probably not going to have him for the week. Well,
0: yeah, I, I guess they felt like they couldn't um, – they couldn't sit down everybody or, you know, that there would be too much chaos and, um you know, that they just didn't have enough people on the roster to set down the uh first string.
1: Yeah. The talking about the Browns on Sunday. Yeah. You can't, you can't make everyone inactive and you got to have people available in case somebody gets hurt or whatever. I just didn't know of anybody getting hurt or any reason why they would put the number ones in maybe just to, like I mentioned, just to keep them fresh, keep them playing. I don't, I don't understand why any of them would play.
0: Well, yeah, I guess you know part of it's the integrity of the game. Part of it is that they needed to um, mollify the uh, gambling community, maintain a credible point spread. I don't know.
1: I don't know. The gambling community should have been smart enough to know that the Bengals were going to win that game. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, no, I I think you know. Yeah, I I questioned the uh, point spread um, based on the quarterback not playing and Miles Garrett not playing. In fact, I was going to talk about Miles Garrett on this show. Let's do that now. Let's let's switch over to Miles Garrett. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Miles Garrett. I went through and looked at every game that Miles Garrett played and didn't play to understand what the point spread uh, was or was
1: not. And why is that important? What's that? What are we comparing this? Well, to?
0: because you know, there's an ongoing debate in the handicapping community about how valuable a defensive end is. And there was a blurb that passed around the Twitter community uh, this past week. And in fact, it's been out for quite some time. Uh, in various forms about how valuable T.J. Watt is. And I don't want to get into a debate about who's better, Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt. But the point is, is that when T.J. Watt is not playing, the Steelers' defense doesn't play for, you know, what? Um, and that the point spread difference is something on the order of 5.5, 5. <laughs> 5.5 5. Uh, points per game. So it's not a trivial thing. But you know the conventional wisdom is that defensive players uh, don't actually contribute that much to the point spread. So if you have a star defensive player that it's maybe worth 1.2 points or maybe three points on the outside. But my belief is that these players actually do make a big difference and that if you have a star that's out that it could be you know something in the order of uh, a quarterback, you know like a quarterback, typically is like four points when you go mm-hmm. to a decent backup. And maybe the largest point spread difference was one year when Peyton Manning went out and uh, Curtis Painter went in his place. They thought that that was about a nine point differential between those two individuals. So it depends on how good your guy is and how good your backup is. And the largest ever was, uh, you know, the number one quarterback and then a backup that maybe they thought was not so super effective. Uh Um, But, you know, maybe uh, in today's um, top echelon of quarterbacks, the thought is that the very star quarterbacks are maybe worth about six points if they get injured, something like that. And then defensive players are, you know, maybe worth three. And I think they're probably worth five or six. And so I think that the number for TJ Watt of five point five is uh, relatively believable. I don't think it's, you know, uh, a uh, like a happy coincidence. You know how people like to find, you know, clever statistics and pretend that they're important and they really aren't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like they twist statistics in order to make a point. I think that's kind of real. I think that the Steelers really are about five and a half points worse if they don't have um, T.J. Watt in the lineup.
1: All right, so I tell think... us about Miles Garrett. What's going okay, on? Okay, so Miles let's Garrett talk here?
0: about Miles Garrett. I did the same thing for Miles Garrett that all these Steeler fans did. Uh, For TJ, I looked up all of his games, Miles Garrett's games, or seasons, I should say, and when he didn't play, what did the Browns do? And when he did play, what did he do? And I also, by the way, I looked up the Browns' uh, complementary points, you know, what happened on offense as well. Uh Because I do believe in complementary footballs. When you generate a strip sack, for example you're not just taking away points from the uh, opposing offense. You're also giving your own team a better chance to score. Doesn't that seem believable? Yes. So Miles Garrett is contributing to the Browns offense by giving them the ball. And so what I found was that the, and and, you know, it is still though a small data sample. You don't have like hundreds of games in order to take data. And so they're, there are uh, uncertainties in this kind of analysis. Uh-huh. Um, but I, what I found was that uh, in the games where Miles Garrett was absent, you know notably when he was suspended and there was one year when he was uh, injured. Um, there was also a year when he was when he had uh, COVID, he missed two games. Um, but also I feel like he was subpar.
1: Yeah, he was never right that
0: year. He he was not right that year, and I think he accumulated some, or the team accumulated some bad statistics when he came back, and I think that kind of threw things off a little bit. But anyway, he's worth about uh, uh, 2.7 to 3 points to the defense, but the offense also scored uh, 1.4 points. More when Miles Garrett started and played the game, and so all in all, you know his uh, his uh, point spread impact is uh, 4. 4. 1, uh throughout his career, and I think he's probably worth more now than he was when he was a rookie. I think he plays at yeah. a much higher level now than he did when he was a kid. Right. So, yeah, so I think five or six points is not out of the question for a player like Miles Garrett, like T.J. Watt. I think those players probably very similar to uh, quarterbacks and are probably underappreciated. And I also think that when you put in a uh, uh, I'm not talking about the defensive end position necessarily, but when you are forced to use backups, I think that pumps up the score a little bit. What I'm getting at, though, for the playoff game against Buffalo, uh, first of all, I think that the large point spread for Buffalo is probably justified, but what I'm looking at is the over-under is 36 points. That's a very low total. I don't understand why you would believe that the Pittsburgh defense is going to play like gangbusters without T.J. Watt. Uh, Are they expecting to have, like, Six feet of snow or
1: something like that in Buffalo? Is that why the... There's supposed to be snow in Buffalo. Like, how much? Um, I don't know how much, but I know, I know Buffalo is...
0: I I know it snows in Buffalo. Is this going to be like a famous... Uh, 36 points seems like a ridiculous... Uh, in fact, I'll just let me look that up. But on the face of it, that seems like a pathetically... What day are
1: they playing? Uh... Are they Sunday? Hmm, Let me look that up. I mean, Saturday has got a 44% chance of snow, and Sunday has got a 58% chance of snow.
0: Well, okay, here's uh, one of the TV stations. And, okay, it's Sunday, and they're looking for high winds. Oh, okay, high winds, frigid wind chills look likely, and snow is possible. Uh, okay, gusts could reach as high as 40 miles per hour. And so, okay, lake effect. Well, maybe that's going to knock it down a little bit. But even so, uh, you know, the, Josh Allen can still run the ball. So maybe that's <laughs> what they're thinking is that the bad weather is going to hold the, the uh, score. And I have to think about that. But I don't anticipate the Steelers having the normal Steelers defense without TJ Watt. I don't know that I care what the uh, uh, you know the yeah, situation. They're, they're not going to get I the same TJ pressure Watt, on the
1: quarterback. All they're going yeah. to all they do in Buffalo, all they can do in Pittsburgh, is move Highsmith into the garbage role, and then bring in another outside linebacker to play Highsmith's role, which is basically to put enough pressure on the quarterback to flush the quarterback out to the garbage collector. So. I don't. I don't know if that's going to be as effective. It all comes down to how much can Highsmith's backup play up to Highsmith's level. If Highsmith's backup can play up to his level, then Highsmith's going to look just as good as TJ Watt, if not better. So, at that point, <clears throat> it really just comes down to how good are their backups, and apparently, they're not that good because they lose five points a game when he's when TJ Watt's not around. So.
0: Well, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying is I think the points, the uh, you know, that's the defense. And we also talked about the complementary effect, which the um, Steelers fans haven't bothered to add up. Maybe uh, later in the week I'll try to calculate what that is. But TJ could very well have an effect on the offense also. But but also, you know, I have some confidence in Mason Rudolph. I think he's a pretty good quarterback. Um, <laughs> when he's not fighting with defensive ends, he can throw the ball. I've always thought that he was a guy. Well, as long as you threat. run the
1: ball and establish a run game, he can throw play action passes.
0: You know, yeah, this is you always go.
1: the thing about Bacon, Baker Mayfield, right? Oh, he's a play action pass quarterback. Well, that is the epitome of what Mason Rudolph is. He is not going to stand back, drop back 40 times, and win you a football game. Now, if you run the ball 25 times, have him play action, maybe 15, you're going to have a pretty good offense, which is all they've done. They've scaled that offense back so much that a good defense should be able to hone in and like exploit it. So I I really think Buffalo is going to take this game. Elliot, we're coming up on a time. So I want to make my last statement Then I'm going to give you a chance to make your last statement. Okay. Um, So I've read a lot of this stuff on X and I hear a lot of people talking about where's next week's game going to be. I want to point out that Houston is a very, very good football team. You cannot look past Houston. You cannot sit there and think that this game is is going to be a walk or a piece of cake, walk in the park kind of situation with the game. I mean, the Browns, if I have not heard anything in press conferences to make me think the Browns are taking this approach, but fans are taking this approach. This is going to be a hard fought game. This is not going to be a we're going to beat them 36 to nothing football game. They are a different team than the team we played last time. So buckle up. For a ball game this week, and if you think, oh, let's talk about what the scenarios are for next week's game, you are way ahead of yourself, and let's hope the Browns as an organization are not that ahead of themselves. I'm confident they're not, but you cannot do that and be successful. You have to beat the opponent you're playing this week. All right, Elliot, I'm going to give you a last dibs here. What you got?
0: Yeah, let me say this. I totally agree with you, first of all, and I'll also say this, which will generate some hate mail for me, I'm sure, but C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback on the field or will be the best quarterback on the field on Sunday. Uh, we are playing on Sunday, aren't we?
1: Playing Saturday
0: at 4.30. Sat- oh, Saturday? Sorry about that. But yep. yeah, he is really a tremendous quarterback. You those Ohio State quarterbacks, man. Um, And and uh, he's a tremendous talent. Now, I think the Browns do have an advantage because they have more playoff experience. And, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing does um, matter. Um, yeah. But the Browns are the most injured team in the NFL. Uh, the Browns do have an advantage because they're built to uh, win playoff football in cold weather but that's not what we're playing. Uh, we're playing a Southern team on their field. So um, I, yeah, I, I, uh, I think there's a lot of factors that actually favor Houston. The experience factor is the one thing that the Browns have in their favor. And I think that, you know, if it comes down to the fourth quarter in the you know, last two minutes, which it probably will, most the Browns games will have an advantage and be able to, you know, hopefully put the big skin in the end zone when they need to. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, Houston is going to have a shot at this and will mm-hmm. probably um, – yeah, right, It's
1: going to be a ball game. You can't walk in there thinking yeah, this is a done know. deal. It's going to be a ball game. All right, buddy. We're out. Guys, follow us on Twitter, on X, on the X, whatever the heck they call this thing. And, uh, you know – Follow us and tag along. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Cleveland Brownians. Please like and follow us on Spotify and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Go Browns!